Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast when a couple pastor scholars study the Word of God using a seasonally appropriate scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. We hope that it will be enjoyable for all and edifying as well, and especially equipping for pastors or teachers who are working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology and spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary and Indiana Wesleyan University. My guest this week is Reverend Dr. Sophia Fasua. Sophia is a familiar uh, voice and name to regular listeners on the show. For those who do not know Sophia, she is a recently retired faculty member of Wesley Seminary uh, alongside uh, where we worked together for nearly 10 years. Uh, prior to that, she served as a denominational official in the United Methodist Church. She was a uh, missionary. Uh, she worked in uh, numerous local churches and is a fabulous scholar and thinker and preacher extraordinaire and love having her on the show uh, from time to time. Our text this week is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. That's the epistle lesson for uh, the fourth Sunday of Advent in year B, for those who know that lectionary terminology. For those who don't, just turn to your book of Ephesians chapter 2, and you'll follow right along. Make sure to subscribe if you're not already, so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening and enjoying the show, uh, hit the share button on your podcast player app of choice to pass this show along to others so they may benefit as well. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this conversation with Sophia. Ephesians. Let's do it. I brought the message. Oh, fun. Because, um, you know, I've read this passage a thousand times, Mm -hmm. but in the message, it just kind of jumped off the page in a different way. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Why don't you read it from the message? All right. Great. And I have to get in the light because, you know, 70 years old. I think we're looking Uh, at Ephesians 2, 1 to 10, right? Right, Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. It, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it 
It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. And there ends the reading. Amen. Thanks be to God for that. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for the great grace, the riches of your grace, super abounding, flowing over, that you in your great kindness have poured out upon us all in creating us and recreating us in your son, Jesus, the Messiah. (laughs) This whole thing was your idea. (laughs) Your idea. Not ours. And so we give you the glory for your grace. And uh, yeah, what's it say? Through faith, right? All we do is trust. Yes. And so even now, prayer is a practice of trust. It's a practice of giving thanks. So thank you that you did this. It was your idea. And trust, we trust that you are the one doing the work that matters. And we do not add a work, though we cooperate with your work simply by trusting in it. And so we ask that the same would be the case. Uh, What is true of your great work of creation and redemption uh, would be true also of this hour that we've set aside uh, to study your word and to converse with one another and for the sake of our listeners as they are studying for themselves and possibly preparing different sorts of things for others, teachings and sermons, whatever, that in this time you would be at work in us, that we, whatever good work we have to offer through our study, our conversation, that it would be simply the good work that you have prepared us for. Amen. And that everything else would just uh, fall by the wayside. We ask this all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah, boy, that that text prays well, doesn't it? It prays well. It it goes down um, differently. I receive it differently hearing it through Peterson's ears. Yeah. And uh, I think he brought out, you know, he took some liberties with the text, which Peterson does, you know, mm-hmm. but, but I think he did some things to help us understand what is being communicated here. We followed the ways of the world and the world doesn't know a thing about living. And yet we followed those ways. And, it, and, and he's not saying, and I'm accusing you, we all did it. We were all like that. And we all followed uh, people who didn't know what they were talking about, not knowing what they're doing. We followed the trends of this world and God still saved us. I mean, just beautiful, beautiful yeah. thoughts here uh, as we think about the the enormity of what it is that God has done for us already. Yeah, no, I think I, I like that you highlighted the, you know, we're not picking on you. We did it too. I mean, that we is in the, the liberties he takes are directing our attention Mm -hmm. to 
movements in the text that are often lost in translation. Yes. Yes. So I, I message is always, it's one of the, I pulled it out when you said you had, it's one of the physical Mm -hmm. translations I always have on my desk. And right now I got it sitting here just to give permission to our listeners who know that we're Bible geeks and Bible scholars on this show and tend to be like, well, you got to study this stuff, but it's sitting here right next to my NASB. Now the new American standard, you can't get more wooden. It doesn't even sound like (laughs) English. Right, those would be the kind of two extremes, and I and they're I two of my favorites. RSV, so I've got them side by side, new yep. revised standard version. Yeah, so I've got these side by side, and then in the middle you'd have NRSV, you'd have NIV, some of the ones that try right. to be a little bit right. of both. Yeah, and I got my Greek here, right? And yeah, and when I hear you read, I was actually reading along with the Greek New Testament. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of moments when I was like, "Oh, I see what you're doing there, Eugene." Right? You could, yeah. you could. Like, so there, that moment in verse three, it says it's en hois, kai, hemos, pontes, you know, among whom also we all, and then it goes on. And I mean, in most translations, you know, among them, we too, I mean, we too is so tiny. It is. You could miss it. You could miss it, but it's actually meant to, okay, I was pointing my finger at you, but now I'm going to switch to a we and say we were a part of this too. And whether he means we, the apostolic leadership, or we, the the Jews, perhaps a bit of both, yeah. what, the, the you and the we is is not always clear in, in Ephesians, but there's a lot of back and forth from you and we. That's it. That's it. Plural you, plural we. And I loved how, how he did it. I, I wanted to hear it again. He said, uh, we all did it. All of us. All of us. I, I just, that drew the attention into it. There was a number of them too. The, the, the way he talked about faith and boasting in verse eight and nine, mm-hmm. where he said, it's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. Yeah, now, obviously, yeah, like yeah. you say, that's taking liberties, but yeah. it's, it's liber Freedom is a constraint by a, a fitting norm. And the norm here is, like when I was in college and this was coming out, I was in college in the nineties, the message was coming out Okay, okay. and I was geeking out, learning the languages. I just thought, as far as I knew, this was just some guy yeah, paraphrasing the English. And then later when I found out that he was a scholar of the original languages yes. Yes. and was realizing he is trying to put into larger, he's t- turning sometimes a single phrase because Paul is a very terse writer. Yes. So the phrase dia pistus through faith. I mean, that's not saying that much. And so by saying the phrase, all we do is trust in him enough to let him do it. Well, I mean, if you've read enough, Paul, you know, that's exactly what diu pistus means. That's what through faith means. Exactly. And then, yeah. And the, you know, we'd go on bragging that we'd done the whole thing, you know, and that's the phrase. This is not from works so that not one to boast. Well, yeah. I mean, that's again, very. I love Paul's terse style, but it's easy to miss the the gist of what he's saying. So I think this actually corresponds really well to the to the gist and the flow. And, and so I, I, I appreciate you reading that. I, you know, and I don't always do that when I'm working in a, in, a, in a context where we're actually, you know, digging into the text and all of that. But this one just struck me today because, uh, in 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 all honesty, the English language is so anemic. 
and trans- <laughs> it, yes. it really is. It's yes. anemic in translating the uh, concepts that would have been so commonplace and every day mm-hmm. to the hearers of this text when they heard it. They'd know all of the unpacking that went along with that. And we have to guess at it. And often we choose the wrong word when we're when our translators are, are meeting, you know. So so this one. Today, or the safe word that everyone can agree on. Right. That's yeah. Translator uh, translation and, by committee has that. And, and a vote and a vote, you know, yeah. a committee vote has to come there too. Yeah. So, so um, looking here and I felt that he teased out the meaning quite well for us because we have to recognize that we brought nothing to the equation. Mm-hmm. It's all God's work. We brought nothing to the equation. We often thought, well, I was pretty good anyway, and God just knew. No, no, no. You brought nothing to the equation. (laughs) And Paul is making it quite clear here. This is all God's work, lest we boast. Yeah, wow. Oh, man, it's so funny because I spent a little time with this text in the original this morning. And so listening to you read, it was like just again and again. It was like, yes, yes, that's what what he's trying to get at. I was trying to find the English. Like this phrase in, this is backtracking from what you commented on, apologize, but verse six, kai sunegeren, kai sunegathisen. So, and co-raised and co-seeded. Mm-hmm. how I would translate that. And uh-huh, uh-huh, this is law. Uh-huh. I, I haven't found a translation yet that that uses the co, and it's repetitive to say, that we are co-raised with Christ is redundant, but it's redundant in the original as well. It's bad mm-hmm. style. Like mm-hmm. Luke would fix that. Luke's like, that's too many. That's you, you can't say co and with those mean the same thing, mm-hmm. but, but Paul doesn't care. Uh, this is, this is standard Koine Greek to kind of repeat the preposition like that. Okay. Um, and I like, I want to come back to those co's, but I really like what he does with it here in verse, uh, verse six. Then he picked us up and set us down Yes, in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. I mean, picked us up and set us down. That's really good because yeah. yeah. <laughs> those, yeah. those, it makes those rhyme, you know, raise, raised us with and sat us down with, I mean, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's really mm-hmm. cool. And he caught the connection there to raise and then to set down, yeah. you know? I feel like the imagery really is captured there. And the that. imagery is, 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 is almost repeating what's already been said. You were down. <laughs> mm, God picked mm-hmm. you up. <laughs> and not only did God pick you up, God set you down in a different place with Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Because you were down because we're dead. We were dead. Where was that? The dead line. That's back in. Uh, Five. I wanted to see how he puts it. Being dead in our sins. There it is. Yeah, it was right next to it, and I missed it. He took our sin-dead lives. I like the dash there. Yes. Uh, He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. Yeah. So here's where I want to Greek geek a little bit. So we've got another co here Mm -hmm. in verse 5. So this is a weird word, and I I knew I wanted to talk about it, so bear with me for a moment, but... It's soon edzo, soon edzo apoyesen, long word. Okay. Um, so the poyesen is made, and then zoe is live. So made alive. Made alive. So it's a, okay. Right. It's a resurrection word. It's used in John 5. It's used a couple places. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not super common, but it happens some. Mm-hmm. 
It, in the old-fashioned language, it'd be quicken. Yes, yes. Right, yes. the quick and the dead, quicken uh-huh. uh, or, or enliven. But it's got that soon on the front, co or with. So it's he co he co enlivened us with Christ, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. goes with those co's in verse six. So he he co enlivened and co raised and co sat us down. There's a right, right. There's a with Christ theme here, which I think is what anchors all this business about it being. It isn't just this kind of some kind of distant God who's like a puppet master, mm-hmm. which is the which is the 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 risk of all this talk of Paul saying, God did it all. You did nothing that can sound right. like a puppet master, but the, the imagery is not a distant puppet master hiding and running the show. It's the stuff that happened in Christ happened to us too. We just didn't know it. That this things that took place, you know, on Easter is not just something that happened to Jesus, right? That what happens mm-hmm, to him mm-hmm. was happening also to us. And what's happening to us is happening to him. There's this connection yeah. between us and Jesus. I think I, that's I've really got my electronic Bible here. up on the screen as, as you're talking, and I'm going back and forth through translations. And, okay. and, and you're talking about that old King James Version starting at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, parenthetical, you know, set off part here, has quickened us together. With Christ, by oh, it did. Are saved, yeah. Quickened us, you know. Quicken the dead, you know. The, you know the, the live. Mm-hmm. Live means quickened, you know. So I'm going back already to buried with Him in baptism. Yes, we yes. rise in Him in the newness of life. We rise mm-hmm. with Him to walk in the newness of life. So there's the same concept being communicated here that the lives that we live now are lived in Christ. Mm-hmm. They're made meaningful in Christ and the dead stuff goes away if we let it. And the things that God wants from us are done in Christ. Yeah. And we are seated in Christ raised up together. This is uh, KJV to sit in heavenly places in Christ in RSV seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ. So mm-hmm. it's like, in Christ three times, six, in seven, and ten. Yeah. yeah. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Yes. If we could understand how it is that we are in Christ. <laughs> oh, that's the question for the ages. It is let's, a question for the ages. Let's take a break there and, and use that as our jumping off point to see where All we're right. going to go in the All second right. section. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with Sophia Fasua, and we are looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. In Christ. In Christ. If, if we were mere, if we could just catch a little glimpse of how we live and move and breathe in Christ. And then that contrast with it's the same, same pronoun. Uh, excuse me, same preposition earlier in the chapter in mm-hmm. it's translated among, which is good, but we we were walking in those sins, verse two or verse mm-hmm. three, mm-hmm. among whom the, the 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 sons of disobedience, in whom 
we also were living then in the desires or lusts of our flesh. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a contrast of in, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we were, this was the, this was our way of being in the world was in the flesh, in lust, in sin, numbering ourselves among the children of wrath. Oh man, his, his version of that was awesome. Like, <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> can, right, right, right. I'm, I'm surprised God didn't just <laughs> destroy all of us, <laughs> which is because it's what it's a, the children of wrath. Well, what does that mean? That that's a, <laughs> Oh yeah. Again, that's one where the people of his time would have known what that meant. Um, and, and, it, and you don't uh, want to court God's wrath because think bad things happen when God is angry. Mm-hmm. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That was his liberties with, uh, and we, we were the children of wrath by nature, uh, just as also the rest of them. Right. So it's kind of this, yeah. that's a great, but yeah. So it's like, where, what are we located in? What is our habitation? What is our to, to change location. location when we are redeemed by God. We aren't among them anymore. Hmm. We might not have changed the home address, but mm-hmm. we're not counted among them. We're not accountable to them. And they don't know what they're doing in the first place. You know, Peterson would remind you. Mm-hmm. But now we are in Christ and we are in heavenly places seated in Christ. Oh, yeah. That's part of it, too. Right. Huh. We're in a different place now. Now, what does it mean to be seated? I mean, it's it's a past tense. It's so weird. It's, it's done. It's yeah. it's narrating. I mean, that's why this is a fitting. I think this is for the fourth Sunday of Lent. So as we're building up towards Easter, the notion that this event that took place in, in Christ, sometimes we tend to think like in terms of the the concept of substitution. He went through something so we don't have right. to. And that's right. there's right. value in that. There's yeah. elements of truth. But this is more of a, a framework of participation. What happened to him also happened to us in him. You know? And what and, he accomplished yeah. has also been accomplished. Already in us. accomplished. That's right. And then in it's us. being poured out into us. That's right. So that when he was made alive and that when he was raised and that when he was seated down, I mean, that's the whole narrative of, Mm -hmm. of resurrection, ascension, Mm -hmm. session at the right hand of the father, Mm -hmm. that somehow when it happened to him, it happened to us and, or when we came to faith, what happened to him now has happened to us. Mm -hmm. Um, It's probably both. I think you could, you could look at it from, from either perspective. But either way, he speaks of these in in past tense ways. These are not future tense. Like this would be easy to follow and be a great Advent text if we were saying. Right, right. It's coming. Oh, someday you're going to be made alive. Yeah. You're going to be raised. You're going to be seated with Jesus. But he's saying that's already happened. Right. I still don't get that. And I love it. But I, I feel like it's the big idea of the new Testament. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I keep coming back to it. Yeah. I feel like Ephesians yeah. perhaps more than, you know, all of Paul's writings, bring it, bring it out. But Ephesians really does really states it baldly. 
Right, right. I, I'm, I'm thinking back on a book I read when I was in Bible college. I went to a Bible college, um, took 45 semester hours before I actually uh, went to seminary. This was, you know, after I had accepted my call to ministry, I ran for my call for three years because I'm a girl, you know, and I thought this will change my life more than I want. So I ran from it, hoping it wasn't true. Then finally went to Bible college because my uh, undergrad is in English literature. And while we were there, we read a lot of the um, holiness classics. In fact, I, I kind of went to a, a Bible college that was more holiness than anything. And, and Watchman Nee's Sit, Walk, Stand. And it's his yes. commentary. You, do you know that book? Absolutely. That's a crucial text in our oh, one yeah. of my wife's favorite books. And okay. I read it and in college when I got serious in my faith. Yeah. Sit, Sit Walk, Walk, Stand. stand. Yeah. Which, Sit, from, walk, which from stand. Proverbs. Uh, he gets the line from Proverbs, right? Where it says, uh, don't sit in the seat of, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And he's but flipping it's, on its head. Yeah. And walks not in the council, nor sits in the seat yeah. of scornful, but, but whose delight is in it. Yeah. But but he's also organizing Ephesians, the first yes. two chapters, trying to convince us where we are seated and then to walk and then to stand and to and to stand and to continue to stand you know all of all, all of this kind of fits together i loved the the construction of the book i was in bible college in the early 80s so you can see here we are uh you know what is it 40 years later and i'm still remembering all of this that we so are good. seated if if we could just understand where we sit where we have been positioned in yeah. christ and yet we often walk and wander as though we were still under the jurisdiction right. of the prince of the power of the air. Which is why the double, and this passage is the transition from the sit to the walk. Yes. Right? Because yes. you, you, you have both language here in the opening verses, which both is why this here. emphasis on being stayed by grace is so crucial. Because if we don't have sit before walk. Yeah then we will make one of two mistakes. Either we will keep behaving like pagans mm -hmm. because we think that's our jurisdiction. I like mm -hmm. that language or in our own power, we will try to walk yes. well enough for God to be pleased. Right. Which um, takes us back into works righteousness. Yep. But if he but tells if us is established, if you start where you sit. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we are yes. positionally located in Christ. God has done this. It's a gift. You didn't do a thing of it. You didn't bring anything to the equation, but you are seated here. Then I have the power to walk. Yeah. And I remember the, my, one of my favorite things I mentioned the Proverbs is, is it's he's, he's inverted the pattern in Proverbs of sin, mm -hmm. which is we, in the Proverbs chapter one, it's, you know, do not, you know, walk and talk with, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. do not stand, right? And do not mm -hmm. sit in the seat of mockers, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, it's a progression mm -hmm. of more of more intense identification with right. sin. Right. Um, it's one thing to stand for a little while and have a chat with the devil. It's another thing to to walk and talk with the devil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's a whole other thing to sit down with the devil. And so sit then he frames the it as this is our unleashment. This is our liberation from right. the enemy. Yeah. It, it then runs in reverse. It, you start it, with it, it, it is the reverse of that pattern. Yes. Here. It is and the reverse genius. of that pattern. 
Man, and that's so all I, to all our listeners out there. Read Sit, Walk, Stand. It's a yeah. great book. It's little. It's too. a great it's book. It's small. You can yeah. even read it in one evening and, and then just go, wow, you know, use that emoji yeah. where, where your head is blown off the top. But uh, if we are seated and we can figure out that we are seated when it's time to stand, we've got the power to do it because we realize it's not ours. When it comes time to walk, especially when the road is hard, like today, we realize that we don't walk in our own volition. We don't walk with our own idea about what walking even looks like. It comes from God. All of this comes from God. We are seated there in Christ, in heavenly places. And I think later in Ephesians, far above all rulers and principalities and powers and, and names that could be named, we are seated. We're safe. This is a time for courage. This is a time for courage. I know we're kind of bleeding into the the, the sermon part of it, but uh, we are living in times that are time for courage. And I may not have courage if I think I have to muster it on my own, but if I'm squarely located in Christ, if I'm seated in Christ and I am safe and secure, and, and if, if we're in God's hands, no one can pluck us out. You know, the, you know all the verses start coming together here. John if I'm 10, secure yeah. in God and I know that God loves me and cares for me and has promised me in life, in death, in life after death, I am still in God. Then when I'm seated in this place, I may not be so hesitant to speak truth to have courage, to do what's needed. We are entering some times where people are going to have to do what is needed, not what is customary and not what's normal for, for you, but what is needed at the time. And why? Because you're the person that God has on the spot when the need took place. You know, we talk about spiritual gifts and we act as though we possess a gift if we've ever operated in a gift or, or set. But, but, but if, if God has you on the premises and this is what is needed and you're the only one there, then any gift might be operating. And so being able to know that we are in Christ in such a way that when God needs us, we are there on the spot, secure in God, knowing that nothing is our own. Nothing is our own, lest I boast. You know, and, and Peterson's really good in bringing out that part that we've got this nature that would boast if we thought we had something. No, I have nothing. I have nothing but God. I am nothing except in Christ. And when I am needed, then I'm available and able to do what's necessary because I am in Christ. And, and, you know, down at the end of the passage, I think it's verse 10, the works which God beforehand has created for us to do, and there are plenty of them, and we've got to get to work. And so knowing that even that work that is to be done, God knows what it is. It doesn't matter what I feel my capabilities are. Think of yourself as the person on the spot that God has positioned and says, be on the corner of 10th and Main at 10 o'clock, you know, for I have something for you to do. Yeah, if we could think of ourselves as in Christ in that way, I, I really think it, the, the rest of the story would be quite different. We are oh, in good. Christ. That's good, especially because, you know, the stand language from me comes from chapter six in the armor of God. Yes. And... 
one of the greatest mistakes we could ever make is to try to go put on the armor of God without first recognizing that we already sit in the heavenly places. Already sit in the right? heavenly places. I mean, I was in a I was in a faculty prayer meeting this morning with your husband, and he opened a prayer with the phrase. Lord, you are not nervous. <laughs> you know what's coming. You've seen this before. You're already triumphant. And that phrase was very helpful to me. It really calmed some of my fears and, and anxieties about the, the matter that was being prayed about. Um, because, because sometimes this armor of God talk, this taking a stand, there's a lot yeah. of people running around taking a stand right now. Uh, for their perception of what is true. And when that, that taking a stand is very insecure, and I mean mm-hmm. that in every sense, it's both mm-hmm. true in reality insecure, but also in the psychological sense. You can mm-hmm. sense the insecurity of someone who's taking a stand who isn't walking and sitting before, exactly. right? Exactly. Whereas when someone, I mean, I know you to be this kind of person, Sophia, having worked with you for almost a decade now, I mean- when you stick your neck out and take a stand on, on a matter, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, I don't get the feeling like you're going to be devastated if we all think you're out to lunch. You almost expect that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then and you're delightfully surprised if we hear you and take your take your yeah. take your prophecy seriously. You're delightfully surprised. Oh, it must be a gift of God's grace that this worked out. <laughs> And and because I was prepared to be hung out to dry, you know, and not, but, and there's a, there's an insecure version of that. That's like, nobody gets me poor me, but it's not, it's cause you sit, you know, where you sit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, actually there's a famous line. Uh, I don't know who, who originated it. I, it, it was handed on to me by my father from hearing it said by, uh, by the seminary president's father. So Earl Wilson, uh, God rest his soul who died mm-hmm. this fall from COVID. Mm-hmm. But he had a famous line where he would say sometimes, half joking, but half serious, as he always was. He's a very funny man. Mm. He'd say, well, where I stand depends on where I sit. <laughs> very good. Very good. And, and, and you've I, seen this okay, at work in the politics. understood this passage. Yes, yes. And, it, and, of course, it's a political thing. Is like, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm serving as chair at the faculty this year, and your husband served in that role in the past. You're, you're, the stand you take on issues actually functions sometimes. You're performing a, a role now. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is, uh, this is what I need to be saying. Like you were saying, I'm on 4th and Main. This is what needs to be said here because of the kind of power I have, the influence I have. Sure, if I was in a different place, a different time, there might be a different task that I would need to. And the assignment you know, may be different. That's right. I can't take a stand on every possible issue because there's no. lots of things. What's no. the thing that I take a stand on? It's got to be rooted in where I sit. I just think that's a fun, powerful uh, reminder from Watchman Nee from Earl. <laughs> no, that's good. It, it connects to something I was thinking about this morning. We don't have to spend much time on this, but we've been because we're we're using the the epistle lesson this year on the on the Fresh yes, Text yes, show. Yes. And during ordinary time, we were in First Corinthians, and we will be back in some First Corinthians uh, mm-hmm. in ordinary time this summer. I think I haven't planned that far ahead. Uh, but here that we're in Lent, we have some selected passages that fit right, the theme, right. of course, fittingly. And, you know, if Corinthians is the most uh, specific or one of the most specific 
texts of Paul's letters, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about like, you can tell right away, he's addressing very specific issues in Corinth, right? Mm -hmm. Unique to their experience. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Then Ephesians is probably the most generic and not in a bad way, general. No, no, but, but it could, but they're even, could read it. Yeah. There's even historical evidence of this. I mean, there are manuscripts that don't have to the Ephesians in the first sentence. Mm -hmm. It's left blank which is evidence that this may have been a circular letter sent around, which right. fits, of course, because which would Ephesus would still fit. You know, there were those seven churches of right, Revelation. Right, right. Well, those are all, one of those so is Ephesus. Pass the letter around, yeah. That's right. So I, I don't mean to deny the legitimacy of this text, but merely to say that makes some sense of the style is more the big picture. It's the right, sit right, stand right. as opposed to in Basically, Corinthians is is Paul taking a stand on a bunch of issues. We see yeah, him yeah, doing yeah. it because they're writing to him, asking him right. how to settle some disputes that they're having. Sacrifice to idols and right. all kinds of things. Very oh, specific, yeah. which is wonderful. But here in Ephesians, we get a little bit more of a sort of big picture. Uh, a remind because anybody, any of any church in any age needs to remind it, be reminded of where they sit, and on the basis of that, then how to walk. Mm-hmm. And then, and how when, to take a stand, and then take a stand when the time comes, and how to yeah. take a stand, and and that's a word for pastors. We often feel that we sit at the whim of those who hired us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, I mean, we're just getting real here. You know, we often feel that we sit at the whim of those who hired us, and when it's time to walk. We walk gingerly, and when it's time to stand, we look around us and look behind our back to see where the arrows are coming from. I did a, a workshop in preaching. Uh, you know, my previous job was in, is, is, is preaching in, in the in the church that I'm a, a part of, and I did a workshop called "Waking the Dead." And I did, you know, I just kind of gave it a title, thinking, you know, we're going to do something a little bit radical in this workshop, and it it, it got packed out. <laughs> I I didn't expect many people because I didn't think people knew me in this place and whatever. And it got packed out. And and I had a lot of people from mainline denominations. I had Presbyterians and Lutherans and Methodists and Episcopals and so forth. And I'm wondering, where all these people come from? But when we got in there and we began to talk about preaching to wake the dead, which is preaching that is not always the ear tickling, soothing, make me happy type of stuff, we asked them, okay, if you know all these things, why are you not preaching with boldness? And they all responded almost in unison, because we are afraid. I think the the, the group that's listening to this podcast might maybe cringe at that moment, you know, because our preaching is often affected because we are afraid. And we think that we are seated in a parsonage that they paid for and that to speak the word of God unadulterated may cause us to lose our vocation, our livelihood, our paycheck, and even our parsonages. If, if you know, I don't know if parsonages are, are part of the, of the, of the but, but they, you know, they tend to be. So we or think that so much our, uh, <laughs> housing allowance, <laughs> if okay, not well, housing allowance, you know, that, either way, either that's way, still the same. And parsonages, yeah. oh Lord, you need to love them or hate them. 
Yeah. But 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 the but the reality is that God hires us, has work for us to do. God hires us, and yet we fear the council, the board, the whatever the committee might be called in your context, and forget where we are seated. We forget where we are seated. The outcomes are different then. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I got an eye opener in this preaching to wake the dead. I've always had more guts than sense, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in, in, in parishes, I've always had more guts than sense. And sometimes I didn't have sense enough to be worried about what they were going to think about it. But um, these wonderful, upright, morally, you know, uh, accountable people looked at me with tears in their eyes and said, we don't preach the gospel because we are afraid. And if I'm hearing you right, you're saying the only antidote to that fear is, is you can't just guss up some internal courage. The, the, the starting point is to be reminded where we sit. To be reminded where right? we sit. And then out of that and, and who we sit, and I want to play with it now. Uh-huh. Be reminded of where we sit. Oh, yeah. I got three points. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, okay. Here comes I'm going to try it and we'll take a break. <laughs> where we sit in heavenly places. With whom we sit. Yes. We sit with the Messiah. Yes, we do. What happened to him happens to us. Yes. And that he suffers with us, too. Yes. And we are glorified with him. And who sat us there? Who sat Which us is the there. father right. and he didn't have, he didn't need our help or ask our permission. No, no. <laughs> and I don't know what the right order is on that. We can come back to that after the break, but uh, I feel like there's the beginnings of a sermon. <laughs> Just I think that you've got to start on a sermon here. <laughs> oh man. Well, let's take a quick break and come back and explore some sermon starters. All right. And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. I'm here with uh, Sophia Fasua, and we are looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Let's explore some sermon starters. Where might we go with a text like this? Well, you know, in that previous segment, we began to lean into this this session, and um, I'm looking at verse 10. NRSV says, we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. I liked the rendition to that. Uh, I'm going back to the King James. And and for those of you who were not on our break with us, we had this (laughs) wonderful conversation about King James and and, and the influences that the the, the lyricism of the King James had upon uh, the Christian church and, and us in particular. But I'm reading it in the King James. We are his workmanship mm-hmm. created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. There's that walk again. And so we've got these two verses that I'm looking at uh, going back to uh, Peterson's translation in, into the message. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does the good work he has gotten ready for us to do work we had better be doing. So um, I'm going to 
back off from Peterson in this one and go to my old NRSV. We are what he has made us, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. I think I would deal with this whole idea that uh, you almost have two parts of this sermon to understand that we are what he has made us. And, and the word workmanship in the, in the KJV really fits at this point because it, it implies an intentionality that God, mm-hmm. you know, most of us think we just happen to turn into whatever we are, you know, at the moment. We, and we often apologize for who we are, but we are what he has made us created in Christ Jesus for good works, uh, which God prepared beforehand. So we we are intentionally and meticulously uh, crafted that workmanship of God. We are the creations of God and we have a purpose. Now, I don't want to speak of us as a tool, but every tool is shaped to fit its purpose. A screwdriver looks like it looks because it's, you know, it's got that little flat part and it goes into the head of the screw. It's made like that so that it can effectively do what it was created to do. I would like to just kind of step out homiletically and say that even in our quirks, in, in you know, I have got one son who, who, who keeps a lot of, um, of information in his head. He says, I've got all these useless bits of knowledge. No, no, no. They are going to come in handy one day because you were created like that to be a knowledge trap, you know, so to speak, because at some point in time, that's going to be needed in God's kingdom. Those of you who have specialized giftings and skills, you were created like that because one of these days, if it hasn't already come, that very thing will turn the tide and make the difference. And so we are intentionally and meticulously made the word workmanship. I love the word, you know, that was translated in that time to just say, God made us. Oh yeah. We already say that all the time. And, and all these confessionals and, and catechisms say, who made us? God made us. Why did God make us? You know, we know God made us, but to know that God made us with intentionality is making another kind of statement. Most of us are feeling like failures at certain points in life. And mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a pandemic brings that out in people. You know, all of our insecurities and our fears and all that stuff like that's bubbling to the top right now. But to understand that even in this, we are intentionally being formed by God, continually being formed by God. And that one of these days, this very thing that we are doing, that we are experiencing is going to turn the tide. Remember that conversation about going to the corner of 4th and Main and standing there at 10 o'clock or whatever it was we made up, that, that because God has a purpose for you, God created good works for you to do. The way of life part, I like the way that, that the NRSV does it. Walking in them, KJV that, and way of life, they're kind of the same. I feel like the translators didn't go too far afield at this yeah. point. I'd almost ha- like to ask you to look in the Greek and see if, if, they, if they went far afield. But we are created for good works. We're created because God has work for us to do and, and things for us. To, God loves us. And those that God loves can be trusted with the work 
that God cares about. So God loves you, God created you, and you can be trusted with the work that God cares about. So um, my, I think I would have kind of an uplifting sermon. This is the fourth Sunday of Lent, and it's a crucial time because we're almost done with the journey. And so if I wanted to leave something on your mind that would change uh, the rest of your, your journey, because we're almost done with it, it would be to say that you are seated and you have been intentionally crafted and formed by God and God has something for you to do. It's not just to be a bench warmer, but God has something for you to do. I'm reading a book by uh, Bishop Michael Curry. Many of you might know him as the man who did the royal wedding. And um, he's Episcopalian. They started out Baptist and and the conversion from being Baptist to Episcopalian. I won't give away the book, but it's got some great meaning and great spiritual uh, foundations in there. But um, he talks about his childhood and having a mother that was injured or um, had a, a long illness at the beginning of his life. And how all of the neighbors came in and helped the, the the parson who had about five five six kids, you know, and and a sick mommy. And he said, "Sister so and so helped me with my homework the night before, and Sister such and such checked it in the morning before I went to school." Those are good works. And those people were able to do those works, not realizing how important it was for the kingdom of God and how important it was in the forming of Michael Curry to be the presiding bishop over the entire Episcopal church right now. You know, so, and he talks about another lady who came in and did their ironing because the mommy is sick. And she came in and met a whole room full of ironing and let him talk the entire time. He's a talker. I know Michael. I know him personally. We've, we've done some things together. But he, he, he talked the whole time. And her work that day was to iron the clothes and let this little boy talk. We've got good works. And we think that it's not a good work unless we went to, to kiss the lepers clean, you know, or uh, to, to, to give our bodies to be burned. But we've got good works to do. And you were created for so. What can you do? And 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 the, the the relevant question: What can I do now? Can you go on Zoom and help some kid with their homework? Because you're good in math and they're not, and neither is the mommy. What can you do now? God has created you for good works, and we didn't all go on pause because the world went on pause for the pandemic. What can you do now? So if I were if I were working with this sermonically, I, I think I'd deal with this verse 10. That's the one that's jumping off the page at me right now. <laughs> well, that's really good. I like the way that gets grounded back in the, like, even as you said, like, you know, just because everything changed, what are the works that have been prepared beforehand for the creation of the world for this time? This time. So a lot of us are finding ourselves asking in any time of when there's upheaval of any kind, including this time, we find ourselves asking, I found it. How can I get back to the good work that I used to do? Right. And so to begin asking or slightly better than that is how can I continue to do that work in a new way? What I used to do. (laughs) Yeah. But the best answer, the best question is to ask what you're asking, which is, 
what are the works that were prepared beforehand for this time? For right? now. And they might, you know, be a, a whole new twist, right? Yeah. On And might have been unanticipated. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, and, you know, to take a cue from Paul, you know, in, in another place in uh, Philippians, you know, when I look back at my resume, it's all rubbish, you know, compared to what, compared to what's next. And when he says what's next, he's not just talking about the end. He's also talking about the immediate next, right? Mm -hmm. The task of this time. And he's writing that from prison. Where does he sit? He sits in a prison. Yeah. But he knows where he really sits. You know, his body's Uh, in a prison, but he's seated in Christ. Yes. Right. (laughs) Right. And when you know that, then you think, okay, well, this is just the place where I am right now. Uh, how can I offer the good works? And that that good works talk is so debilitating when it's framed as a as a way to please God. But this yeah. whole text affirms, you know, that that God is just lavishing us with His own grace. Oh goodness! And yeah. That even the good works were just His plan. It's a cool word, uh, pro a toy masen. It's it's the word ready with the word pro mm-hmm. before it. So it's one word. It's, you know, pre-prepared, you know, which yeah. it doesn't, which again is redundant in English, but I like the redundancy, you know, pre-readied, advanced readied. And it implies though, because of course, readying or preparing is always beforehand. Yes. By adding that, that pro, that before, there's a kind of cosmic before that's being suggested there you know yeah. mm-hmm. uh because the reference to creation from the very dawning of creation you know god foresaw and made shaped you and your personality and your gifts mm-hmm. and your weaknesses mm-hmm. so that you may walk in them but way of life is just it's just another way of saying the same metaphor walk is a metaphor too right yeah yeah way, way of life's good I, I have no objection to that way of putting it Especially if they used way of life in verse one, the NRSV, did they mm-hmm, use way mm-hmm, of life mm-hmm. there? Did they? Let me see. NRSV. Verse one, NRSV. Ah. Or verse two, verse two, verse two, verse two. Verse two. In or which you once lived. Yeah. Okay. The course of lived. this world. Good. Yeah. Because it's the same verb in verse two and verse 10. There's a kind of mm-hmm. bookend in this passage. There's the way we used to walk and the way we're meant to walk, right? Right. And then the KJV used in the past, you walked yep. according yep. to the course of this world. Yeah. So it's the so same verb both times. There. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That idea that we would uh, walk, that there'd be a way of life. I like the way of life language. I mean, that's, that's asks the question. The form of our life has been, is being changed. Mm-hmm. So what is my way of life? Yes in the midst of this new form of life. Yeah. That'd be a yeah. question that there, uh, that's maybe a philosophical way of putting it, but I, I think there's a way of, that could be a nice question even with which to open. Sometimes when I'm working on a sermon, I just, my hook is a question. It's a, it's a, mm-hmm. a question, right? Um, what is, and I think a lot of people are asking that kind of question right now. What's the, what's the way of life that, that God has for us now? Now, in this time, in this time. And I think the mistake is putting everything on hold until we can get back to the old form. Yeah. Yeah. The churches that weathered this pandemic well are the ones who are figuring out what to do while we wait. Yeah. 
Because it turns out that's the whole Christian life all along. This is back to sitting. Mm -hmm. Why I probably, I, uh, I probably would want to write a sermon on the whole sit thing. You know, I had it, I had a kick out of the, that little triplet at the end of our last section, you know, the, Mm -hmm. where, where do we sit with whom do we sit and who sat us there? Something, something cute like that. I I would want to play with it. The construction of it. Yeah. And the playing with sit though is, is, I mean, I don't know. There's no way this would be true at the end of any winter, any Lent, but especially during worldwide pandemic to kind of talk about uh, just to talk about sitting. You know, I, I just heard a phrase last week uh, on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, have you heard this phrase? Sitting is the new smoking. <laughs> it's, like, really, it's just really bad for your body to just sit. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, living in a, in some pre-industrial communities in Ghana, like you just, you sit, of course, but you're always getting up all the time and, and you, you moving hardly, around. You hardly sit. Yeah, you might sit to work on a little something, but you wouldn't sit very you long. You hardly sit. You yeah. hardly sit. No, you hardly and sit. That, so that means the body's not made for this no. sitting all the time. And I feel like the 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 metaphor, because it's a metaphor, but the metaphor of sitting, uh, we've learned of late that uh, where and how you sit really determines a big part of what kind of life you're living how long you sit that's right yep and so i think the i think the metaphor is going to have punch that it might not have had even two years ago the language of sitting the the notion that sitting defines you in some way would seem cute and not Mm -hmm. whereas like a lot of us are like yeah i kind of sort of have just learned that this year Mm -hmm. that that where where i sit and how long i sit there is actually kind of is defining me Mm-hmm. And I don't like how it's defining me. Mm-hmm. And okay, there's the practical thing of getting up a little bit more, but it's deeper than that. Cause I we're starting to realize, guess what? A lot of us, I've had to, I've had to deal with this. I thought I had grown a lot further in this and then had to face it again this year that, uh, that going to the office and being there gave me a sense of identity. And, you know, I, I mean, I had, that's so less true of me now than it was five, mm-hmm. six, seven years ago when you first met me, but, um, but there was still some more of that than I realized, you know, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of us are facing that to kind of say, okay, where I sit does define me, but where do I really sit? Where do I really, I sit? am seated with Christ in the heavenly places. And I've been sat there by God, whether I realize it or not. And it's time to wake up to the fact that that is my, my true, my true, uh, position, my true place. And that's what sets the terms for the way I walk. Right. So yeah, yeah I got to get up and walk, but not just random old walking. What, yeah. what is, how do, how do I walk in light of the fact that I have been seated with Christ in heavenly places? Well, then it comes to those good works questions, right? Yes. Right. How should I be walking? Who, who should I be caring about? What are the, how should I be spending my energy, which is the word for Work has mm-hmm, is root, mm-hmm. connected to the word for energy in Greek. Erga is work and energy is en erga, right? So like, how am I directing my energy? I think would be a way of an alternative translation of the word works, good yeah. works. You know, we're hearing these stories now about people who are unemployed, who are finding the work that God has them to yeah. do. 
Yeah. They thought the job was the work, you know, as you talked about yeah. just being able to not go to the, to the office even. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to hear this, this, this text and, and to hear a sermon through the ear mm. of those who are unemployed yeah. through the ears of those who don't know how for real they're going to pay their rent. You know, we've always had people who couldn't pay their rent and couldn't, didn't have a job or whatever, but now we can truly say for some of these people is through no fault of their own. Yeah. And how, how do I hear my worth in God? Yeah. When I no longer have a seat at the office. Yeah. Hmm. That's good. That's good. No. And, and, and returning to, you know, where my real seat is, you yeah. know, um, is a, is a great starting point. And then just exploring it practically, just as you've laid out for us, uh, um, in the last couple of minutes, man, that's really good. I've had a good time with you today. I always do, Sophia. I always thanks so do. much. I always do. I um, have a prayer. Oh, please, yeah. Was, was written. Uh, you know, I'm working on a project. Uh, working on it with discipleship uh, resources. I'm trying to pull it up while we're we're talking here, and um, I've been working on this project for several several months it seems forever sometimes not in a tedious way but just that i have been a lot of familiarity with the people and this this particular prayer was written uh for this coming season i'm tr- trying to remember which week it was going to be posted online but it's called tattoo your word on our hearts the author is curry butler he's su- suddenly um uh he he's finding himself in limbo like all the rest of us but uh he's a brilliant writer and uh, a sensitive writer. And he just begins, God, our creator, we come today thanking you for your unconditional love. It was with your love that you painted the sky. It was with your love that you produced the sun to keep us company as we travel during the day and the moon to accompany us as we slumber at night. Your love continues to let us know that we are never alone, but you are always with us. So God, tattoo your word on our hearts so that our souls may forever be revived. Let your precepts run through our veins, causing us to rejoice and be glad. We know the troubles that we see, but we shall rejoice and be glad. We know the hurt and the pain that we must endure, but we shall rejoice and be glad. We know that the systems were not designed for people like us, but we shall rejoice and be glad. We shall rejoice because the same God who painted upon the velvety night sky is the same God who is still painting our way out of no way. Lord, we're dependent on you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you for that prayer. And thanks for studying the word together today. It it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Look forward to another time. Great. And thanks as always uh, to uh, Todd and Eric for their production work. Can't imagine doing this show without them. Thanks to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. And thanks uh, most of all to you, our listeners, uh, for getting the word out about the show and for enjoying it yourself and for finding ways to support the show. Uh, Go ahead to patreon.com slash fresh text to find different ways that you can support the show. And get some bonus content that way. I don't see a penny of that. It goes all to the production team and the work behind the scenes. Uh, so 
uh, appreciate your support of the show. And uh, with that said, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>